Good to know. I've been in America. We just listened to Legal AF. And um, that was Trump search warrant appeal, DOJ January 6th, subpoenas fly, DeSantis human trafficking. And what's today's dates? Twentieth, okay. That's an old one. Um so let's see what else is going on. Mm. Oh, forbidden. Oh, 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 Tony Michaels, yes. Hello, Tony Michaels. Hello, Q9 worships Orange Jesus. You know, salute Kyle Trump at rally. Instagram wins bonnet of the week. <clears throat> let's do the Q non salute Kyle Trump at, uh, let's see what's going on with that. I love Tony Michaels podcast. Number 230. Let's talk about our democracy for a minute. Came out yesterday. But let's do it in a way. <laughs> That makes the snowflakes' heads explode. explode. yeah. Let me be clear before this podcast begins. We don't give we a fuck. Proud, 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 and we and do, do not, not give a fuck. This is the Tony Michaels Podcast. Real With and Christopher raw, Governator. and social commentary. The freedom to oppress the rights Politics of other people AF. is not liberty. You shit-eating moron. Yeah. <sighs> The smell of freedom of speech. This is the Tony yeah, Michaels podcast. Yeah, suck it up, Buttercup. This is Tony <laughs> Michaels. Hey, Tony, fuck him. Yeah, exactly. My word. Exactly. My sentiment. Everyone's wanting to know how long are we banned from YouTube? <laughs> well, they banned us for seven days. So we got most of the week this week. We're not what? on YouTube. That's right, we're not Why? on YouTube. It is a situation where we're not on YouTube. But you can uh, you can go watch, you, you can go watch live on Twitch, Facebook, Twitter. You can also watch on uh, Tony Michaels live. I believe we're live over there. I don't, I don't know if it's uh, I don't know if it's working yet or not. It's a brand new website. So go there we and help me it check up. it out. TonyMichaels.live. We set it up because of the YouTube ban. Huh. Um, that's just... We had to go to um, a situation where we would have... Hey, Siri. Uh, a place where you could go... Go to TonyMichaels.live. watch us, regardless of a YouTube ban. Uh, so if you're over there watching... Uh, Again, I think it's I think it's broadcasting live on Tony Michaels dot live. Go to Tony Michaels dot live. Because that's the thing. If I can't get this message out on YouTube or several other places, well, you're Go not going to get this message dot live. So the best way to support us, there's a little little box right there next to the feed on Tony Michaels dot mm-hmm. live, and you can donate. You can do a one-time tip, or you can do a monthly tip. Or you guys support us I'm gonna just become one a time, producer. or you can support us anytime you would like. Uh, <clears throat> or you can do a monthly tip, where you set it to be a monthly amount. And you can choose the amount, or you can use one of the 
schedule mounts, but go over to TonyMichaels.live. Check out our brand new website. Tony Michaels podcast is up and running. To make sure that we can come live to you this week. Even though we're Rachel Maddow. YouTube. Now here's what I want you to do. YouTube's fine, dude. Because even if we're banned from YouTube, okay, it's okay. I still want you to go over there and follow us and subscribe to our YouTube channel because I want you to show hey, YouTube I think I already heard this. just how, me, how much Fuck. this ban means to you. Is that you will support already, Tony Michael's podcast. You will support this. independent media. You will support pro-democracy speech even if they <clears> ban <throat> us. Okay, let's see. I want to tell you... Ivanka and Rachel Maddow on fire. I heard a podcast. I heard a podcast. We're fucked, basically. Stacked with Trump judges. Welcome, Trump judges. Ivanka could be in serious trouble as Rachel Maddow reports her apartment is linked to New York Attorney General's subpoena for Washington hotel records. However, before proceeding, be sure to subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification bell so that you are always the first to receive our latest updates when we post new videos. It looks like all of Ivanka's attempts to distance herself from her father after his ignominious exit from the White House may have been futile. Her MSNBC's Rachel A stunning document was reported in the Washington Post which reveals that Donald's precious daughter may be in cold water right now, unable to escape thanks to her father's alleged plans to break into her apartment. New York Attorney General Letitia James has formally subpoenaed federal authorities over Trump's residence in Washington, accusing the current former president of exaggerating him. Expenses for the daughter's apartment. Reasons to get Trump International Hotel rentals. The Letty James investigation may be looking into whether Trump fraudulently obtained rent on the property, whether the Trump organization lied about his property to obtain rent on the property, and what they used to pay for that loan, Maddo commented to Bombshell. We know from Attorney General James' filing last month that it was once Trump's adult daughter, Ivanka Trump, who, according to far-reaching lawyers, Trump negotiated a resort lease with the feds and negotiated a mortgage with Deutsche Bank, the MSNBC host continued. Tish James claims the Trump Organization's ability to describe its financial position to get jobs and mortgages is fraudulent. This is an example. Maddo went on to explain that the Trump Organization has filed an asset declaration to seal the D.C. hotel lease and mortgage. In that statement, they defended the list of homes owned by the group and their value, including the block on New York's Park Avenue that Donald's eldest daughter, Ivanka, was renting from her father's brokerage firm at the time. Interestingly, her condo contract gives her the option to buy that $8.5 million condo if she wants to, Maddo said. But in the claim that was filed for the D.C. hotel alone, the same rent was valued at more than $20 million. A few years later, they listed it as worth $25 million, even though they knew they had an opportunity earlier costs only buy it for $8.5 million. Attorney General James is looking into the Trump family's financial scenario of alleged illegal inflation and the Trump Organization's claim to all of Trump's assets, the MSNBC host explained. Thanks to the Washington Post, we now know that an investigation by legal professionals also called out federal authorities for Trump's purchase of Washington, D.C. property. So, yes, if I were a former president, if I were to be indicted in this investigation, I don't see if I would incite my followers to riot, but I might be concerned. To say she hit the nail on the head is an understatement. 
The Dodge recently released a heavily redacted model of the Mar-a-Lago affidavit that led to a search and arrest warrant at the former president's Palm Beach estate, which he cited as domestic reasons catastrophically abdicating his presidency. Again, to be honest, a heavily redacted post is an understatement. Some archive pages are completely blacked out and really only have a sentence or two. But according to world-renowned Harvard law professor Lawrence Tribe, what Donald Trump should be panicking about right now is not the text under the thick black block, but the former president. Heels to understand the main footnote contained in the statement that according to experts it was impossible not to prosecute Donald Jr. Trump's crimes against him. Tribe's assessment was given in an interview with CNN's Wolf Blitzer. Let me know what you think about this in the comments. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for watching. <clears throat> Electrify your metabolism back to teenage Great job, comma, I subscribed. Exclamation point. Port of Puerto Rico as a statehood, basically. You know, they can't vote for a president. That's fucking retarded. In a true sense of the word. <clears throat> the report suggests Jared Kushner may. may what? MSNBC. May be compromised by China. Rachel, tell us about what's going on with an investigation into Jared Kushner getting two billion dollars from Saudi Arabia! Exclamation point! Wow! Exclamation point! WTF? I think they should seize the Trump ill-gotten assets! Exclamation point, exclamation point. That would be so fun to watch. Ha 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 ha. of the warning, the contents of the briefing, one might imagine uh, this was a very senior level thing. Quoting from the New Yorker, in December, U.S. intelligence agencies briefed Trump administration officials saying that a member of the president's family was being targeted by a Chinese influence operation. 
Now, what influence operation means in this context, I think, is that the Chinese government was allegedly running an intelligence operation to try to compromise a member of the president's family or, or to induce a member of the president's family to do the bidding of the Chinese government, whether or not they were aware that was happening. Which member of the Trump family are we talking about? Um, according to Adam Entis and Evan Osnos in this very careful reporting, uh, they say it's not clear which Trump family member the warning was about. But honestly, this is starting to seem like a game of Clue where all but two characters are dead and there's only three rooms left and you know for sure it was the candlestick. There's not a ton of suspense here. Um, this new report from Adam Entis and Evan Osnos is about Jared Kushner. It's about the president's son-in-law. You might remember this last week. We got an unusual, kind of inexplicable report from the Wall Street Journal, which said that U.S. counterintelligence officials had, had come to Jared Kushner with a warning, quote, that Wendy Deng Murdoch, a prominent Chinese-American businesswoman, could be using her close friendship with Mr. Kushner and his wife, Ivanka Trump, to further the interests of the Chinese government. Now, what was crazy about that report last week in the Wall Street Journal is that the guy who owns the Wall Street Journal, until quite recently, was married to the subject of this article, Wendy Deng Murdoch. Right? She's, she's, she was, according to this Wall Street Journal article, she was the subject of this counterintelligence warning about the fact that she might be a Chinese spy. Right? It's kind of the elephant in the living room in the middle of that story, that that was her ex-husband's paper, which was first to report on that warning. Well, now we get a little more explanation as to where that came from. Uh, this is from The New Yorker now. Quote, in March 2017, Bill Priestap, the FBI's chief of counterintelligence, visited the White House and briefed Jared Kushner about the danger of foreign intelligence, excuse me, of foreign influence operations. Priestap told Kushner that he was among the top intelligence targets worldwide. Priestap and Kushner discussed some of Kushner's contacts, including Wendy Deng Murdoch, the ex-wife of Rupert Murdoch. U.S. diplomats and intelligence officials have long speculated about Wendy Murdoch's ties to the Chinese government. In Internally, some Chinese officials spoke about her in ways that suggested they had influence over her. According to a person close to Kushner, quote, when Kushner was briefed by the FBI, he saw little cause for alarm. Hi, everyone. Mark Barden here at Sandy Hook Promise. On December 14, 2012, my seven-year-old son Daniel was shot to death in his first grade class. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I know. I was done. So we had, we had previously heard about this strange warning involving Rupert Murdoch's ex-wife and her friendship with Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. Now we have that in context, that, that what Jared Kushner was being warned about was a, was a larger scale threat, that he was being targeted by sophisticated foreign intelligence operations. Now, it's clear both in the Wall Street Journal reporting last week and in this new reporting from The New Yorker, that Jared Kushner was utterly unfazed by these warnings he was getting. That he obviously thinks there's nothing to worry about. Why are all these counterintelligence people so concerned? I am 36 years old. I can handle myself. Right? <laughs> I imagine him saying. Well, now we know, um, at least in part, why counterintelligence officials might have been so concerned about Mr. Kushner. And it's because of the intelligence intercepts they reportedly have about Jared Kushner. This is a big deal story. Um, 
In order to understand how this got to be so bad, you have to understand a little bit about the distance between how a normal American government handles this kind of risk and what the Trump administration has been doing. There's quite a distance. Mm. Quote, shortly before the election, staffers prepared a memo for Chris Christie, who at that time was the head of the transition team. It concerned the sensitive matter of conversations with foreign powers. The memo said in part, because the current president, Barack Obama, is still in office, calls made during the transition period should be high level, non-substantive, and should consist largely of diplomatic pleasantries. The transition was warned that Trump would be inundated with requests for thousands of calls from around the world. Those requests would come through campaign staff, outside advisors, and other third parties. According to this advice memo for the transition, Trump must not accept these requests. Requests must be methodically returned in a sequence of calls that will not create any diplomatic incidents or negative press stories. The president-elect must have a classified intelligence briefing before conversations with foreign leaders and then conduct the meetings only when a note-taker and a national security aide are present. The aide suggested that Trump make five waves of calls over a number of days, starting with the U.K. and ending with Pakistan. A senior transition official recalled recently, quote, Obviously, all that just got tossed aside because Trump was excited that important people were calling him. (laughs) Trump spoke to more than two dozen heads of state before his campaign ever contacted the State Department. That freewheeling access extended to in-person meetings. And the in-person meetings were not just held by the president-elect and then the new president. They were also held by his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. Adamantis and Evan Osnos report now that despite those established protocols, right, despite the well-earned reason there are national security standards around contacts with foreign governments like this, right, which require having a note taker there and having national security aides involved and being briefed by people who are experts in the subject matter before you have those conversations, despite all of that well-earned caution, Jared Kushner reportedly repeatedly took unstaffed meetings with the Chinese ambassador, including at least one occasion on which they met alone. And you know, it's one thing if you're like meeting with an old pal, but if you're meeting with a high-ranking and experienced government official from a foreign power that is aggressively spying on the United States and trying to recruit or manipulate U.S. officials in support of their incredibly sophisticated intelligence apparatus, right? Those solo meetings with your new bud, those might be a problem. And part of what happened after Jared Kushner apparently decided to start taking solo or unstaffed meetings with the Chinese ambassador is that the Chinese ambassador started reporting home to Beijing what Jared Kushner was allegedly telling him in these meetings. Quote, U.S. intelligence agencies aggressively target Chinese government communications, including their American ambassador's reports to Beijing about his meetings in the U.S. According to current and formal Excuse me. According to current and former officials briefed on U.S. intelligence about Chinese communications, Chinese officials said that in meetings to prepare for the Chinese president's summit at Mar-a-Lago this past April, the Chinese ambassador and Jared Kushner discussed Kushner's business interests along with policy. Wow. Now, Jared Kushner is denying this. A spokesman for Mr. Kushner told The New Yorker, quote, there was never a time, never, that Mr. Kushner spoke to any foreign officials about any personal or family business. He was scrupulous in this regard. But you know what? If he was talking to the Chinese government without any other Americans present, not even so much as a note taker, can he prove that he didn't talk about his business interests? Nope. Did the Chinese record the meeting? 
Yeah. Again, what's, what's being described here are U.S. intelligence intercepts about Chinese communication, right? Chinese government officials discussing what Jared allegedly told them at these unstaffed meetings. Now, the Chinese may be lying about what Jared told them in these meetings. They may be concocting a plot to make it look like Jared was conducting U.S. official business for the private benefit of himself and his family. It may be made up by the Chinese. But if you've been taking solo meetings with the Chinese government without protecting yourself against that possibility, then you have put China in a position to exert leverage over you. Right? When they talk in intelligence circles about people being compromised, this is being compromised by a foreign intelligence operation. I mean, think, think back to those easy peasy days of like, Russia trying to get the floor plans, the architectural drawings, and the security arrangements for the American embassy in Moscow, right? Back in the Cold War days, Russia mounted an intelligence operation in order to get that material. And the way they did it was by convincing some lonely, bored, slightly disgruntled U.S. Marines who were working security at that embassy that they should bend the rules a little bit and date a nice Russian girl. Now, there are rules against fraternizing with local women in these circumstances, but that, that's not the worst thing in the world, right? The reasons the Russians did that to the Marines... The reason they targeted the Marines with that is not because the end in itself was getting them to date Russian women. It was so they could collect evidence of the Marines doing something bad, something wrong, something against the rules that could get them fired, could get them in a lot of trouble. And then once they had that evidence dead to rights, once they had that to lord over them, then they slowly and inexorably twisted those Marines into ultimately getting the real intel about the embassy that they wanted from that operation. That's how it works, right? So did Jared Kushner try to talk about a little family business? Hey, I got a billion-dollar big building on Park Avenue. I need to pay back some of the mortgage this year. I mean, did he discuss any of that while he was also discussing bringing President Xi to Mar-a-Lago for a summit? Jared Kushner absolutely denies it. And maybe he didn't bring up any of his personal and family business in those conversations. But if he did, and the Chinese have evidence of that, or of something like that, or if they can concoct that evidence because Jared Kushner has been brilliantly casting aside decades of government hard-earned protocol about not meeting alone with foreign countries that are targeting us. Then what were the words of that warning from the U.S. intelligence agencies last month? What were the words of that? Quote, a member of the president's family was being targeted by a Chinese influence operation. There's one last piece of this. Um, the president's daily brief highly classified summary of intelligence delivered daily to the president in person. According to Adamantis and Evan Osnos in this new reporting at The New Yorker, by the time President Obama was wrapping up his eight years in office, a circle of high-ranking government officials who were allowed to receive the, president, the same version of the PDB that's given to the president um, had expanded to a pretty significant group. A total of seven White House officials were authorized to receive those crown jewels, right, but the same version of the PDB that appeared on President Obama's iPad. Again, that was at the end of eight years in office. They allowed seven people to see that information. Donald Trump has just hit one year in office, and his first national security advisor has just pled guilty to the FBI for lying about his contacts to the Russian government. But nevertheless, the number of people inside the Trump administration who have been cleared to receive the president's version of the PDB is a remarkable 14 already and that number includes jared kushner 
and Jared Kushner does not have a security clearance. <laughs> Today, I'm going to That's show you the five foods you must avoid eating if you have arthritis. Yeah, if you have arthritis, you need to watch this short video right now. My name is Steph Smith, and I'm the senior arthritis correspondent. And the reason he... LOL, Rachel, thank you for remembering the fact that he didn't have a security clearance, exclamation point, ha ha ha. Cannot get one is because apparently he cannot get one. <laughs> there was controversy from the outset about his security clearance, right? Two days before the inauguration, Jared Kushner made his initial application for a security clearance. He reportedly listed zero contacts on that application mm -hmm. uh, with foreign governments. This is after, you know, he's meeting with the Chinese. He's secretly meeting with the Emiratis. He's secretly meeting with the Trump Tower Russians. All of those foreign meetings, he disclosed zero foreign meetings initially on his security clearance application. Mr. Kushner then repeatedly sent new updates, supplements to his security clearance application each time, listing more and more foreign contacts he had previously neglected to disclose. So there has been controversy around his security clearance application already. But Jared Kushner's process of trying to get a security clearance started a year ago. Started in January. Quote, as months passed, some members of the White House received their permanent security clearances, but Kushner continued to wait. For high-level appointees like him, the process is normally expedited, says one former senior White House official. It can be completed in several months. Unless, of course, derogatory information pops up during the review. Jared Kushner apparently has still not received a full security clearance to his day, but he gets full access to the president's daily brief anyway.
rides. There you are, so. I left you outside, uh, inside. <laughs> we'll have to pull up. And so what they're suggesting is, you don't need to have this all wrapped up by October. Let's take our time. Let's make it realistic. Let's make sure it can be thorough. Let's extend this into November. So that's the first part of it. I don't think the judge is going to entertain that because he's the one who's got to do the work. And if he says, I think I can do it within this time period, then I, I think he's going to be able to make the decision there. He'll hear them, but I, I doubt he will accept that timeline. The other thing, of course, is that they also say, we don't want to have to assert which documents we are uh, claiming we've declassified. And I think this is a real tell that this is a lie, that there's no declassification, and that the lawyers <laughs> want to delay that answer because oh they God, know they don't have an answer to that question. If they make that same misrepresentation in court that Donald Trump has been making uh, on social media, they stand to be disbarred. So they are never going to make that claim. They want to delay it as long as possible because ultimately they're not going to be able to make it. At the White House 1149 here in London, President Biden is facing pushback, including from some of his own top health officials, including Dr. Anthony Fauci, after saying the COVID-19 pandemic is over. The president made that comment during an interview on 60 Minutes. Here's what President Biden said, followed by new remarks from Dr. Fauci. The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's but the pandemic is over. You can notice no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. But we are not where we need to be if we're going to be able to, quote, live with the virus because we know we're not going to eradicate it. We only did that with one virus, which is smallpox. And that was very different because smallpox doesn't change from year to year or decade to decade or even from century to century. Joining us now, U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy. Dr. Murthy, great to have you with us this morning. So two very different views there of the state of the pandemic. Is the pandemic over? Well, it's good to see you as well. I actually don't think they're all that different. What the president's reflecting is the fact that we've made tremendous progress against COVID-19. We're in a very different place now than we were at the beginning of this pandemic with significantly lower death rates. We have all of our children back in school, people able to go back to work, families and friends able to see each other. But he also said, you know, we have more work to do on COVID, and that's right. And that's what Dr. Fauci and others have expressed as well. Uh, you know, we're losing about 400 people a day on average for this virus. We need to get that number lower. We have people who are struggling with long COVID. We need to understand more about long COVID and how to prevent it. And we also, thankfully, have a new updated vaccine uh, that's available that can extend people's protection, strengthen their protection against the worst outcomes of COVID. We need people to take that vaccine. So there is more work to do, no doubt. But we are in a much better place uh, than we were at the beginning of this pandemic. Well, of course, that goes without saying. And I, I mean, people effectively are treating it like it's over. Here in London, where I am, I could count on one hand probably the number of masks I've seen in the last couple of days. New York is closer to that as well. But when the president of the United States says in no uncertain terms and says twice the pandemic is over, what should people watching this morning take from that? 
Well, I think people, what people should take is that they should feel encouraged about the progress that we've made. I feel optimistic about how far we've come. You know, we may forget just what it was like two years ago when schools were shut down, when people were not going to work, uh, when we were worried about our own health and safety and the safety of those around us. But right now, if you are updated on your vaccines and if you are a high-risk individual who uses a medication like Paxlovid if you get COVID-19, your chances of dying from COVID are remarkably low. And that is hard-fought progress. But here's one thing I am worried about, Willie. In order to sustain this progress and to continue to advance, in order to develop the next generation of vaccines, especially mucosal vaccines that will help to block transmission even more effectively, we need to sustain our investment uh, in COVID. So what we can do is, is look at this like an on and off switch, like COVID has disappeared. You know, we've made tremendous progress, but we still have work to do that. It's going to require ongoing investment from Congress, ongoing investment in our country so that we can continue to make sure everybody in our country has the protection that they need from COVID-19. Dr. Matthew, I appreciate that you're trying to thread the needle here between slightly different points of view, but one of the things that doctors around the world have said right from the very beginning is that clarity of messaging when it comes to a pandemic is absolutely essential. And, and whether you listen to, do, to the president or whether you listen to Dr. Fauci, it, the message is not clear coming out of the White House at the moment, and the risks are still high. You still have uh, the potential for variants around the world. You still have countries where people are not vaccinated and they are traveling now, and the potential that they could bring new variants. So, so why why take the risk from the president's point of view of even saying at all that this is over? Because some people will hear that and say, I don't need to get a booster if a booster comes around. I don't need to get vaccinated if I'm not already vaccinated. Well, my, you know, my job as Surgeon General is to tell people where we are and to talk to them about what they need to do. And the message here is clear, which is that while we should be encouraged about the progress that we have made, we still have to be vigilant and make sure we're taking steps to remain protected. And that means staying up to date on your vaccines, knowing where to go if you do get sick to get Paxlovid. And we have tested tree sites now available. People can go to their own doctor and get uh, treatments for, uh, for, for COVID-19 like Paxlovid. We want people to know what they can do. But it's also so important. This is something I learned when I was Surgeon General working on the Ebola and Zika crises, that when things get better, we can't, as a country, turn our attention away entirely. We've got to recognize that to stay in a good place and to continue making progress, uh, we've got to keep our foot on the accelerator. We've got to not only continue to invest in better treatments, better vaccines, but we also have to look at the broader spectrum of issues that have been made worse by COVID. One of those, in fact, is mental health. This is an issue that I have been focused on as Surgeon General because I look at what's happened in our country during COVID, but also prior to COVID, and I see a mental health crisis, particularly among our kids, uh, that has exploded. That's why I issued a Surgeon General's advisory on youth mental health in December 2021. It's why, as I wrote recently, uh, there's more we need to do at a policy, programmatic, and individual level to make sure our kids are okay. So, Dr. Murthy, I just want to go, we just started to lead us there, the idea of not letting your guard down when things are looking a little bit better. And we are compared to other parts of the pandemic, in a little bit of a lull right now. But part of the reason why the president's comments raised such a stir is for months, health officials, including those employed by the U.S. government, have warned us about an impending fall or winter surge of the virus. Are you seeing any early signs of that? How should Americans be prepared? Or should we be bracing ourselves for cases to really take off again? Well, I'm glad you asked, Jonathan. You know, thankfully, right now, we're seeing cases continue to decline. Hospitalizations are 
come down as well. That's good news. But look, if anything we've learned over the last two years Dr. is that Vivek we've got to be Murphy, vigilant and we've got to be prepared. Right? This is a time for preparation, not for panic. We've seen in the last two winters that we have seen a surge that's usually begun around late November or early December. But the best way to protect for that uh, is to make sure that you are up to date uh, with your vaccines. If you are 12 and up and you're two months out from your last shot, you are eligible to get the updated vaccine. Uh, and that's what we want people to do. The other thing you can do is pair this with your flu shot. The flu, flu season is also uh, around the corner. And so we want people to get their flu shot. Flu shot should be available uh, very, very soon. And you can, good news is you can go and get both shots at the same time, uh, get it out of the way, and know that you have stronger protection yeah, against both COVID right. and the flu. U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, thanks so much for your time this morning. We'll be talking to you much more as we move through this. Thank you. Your laundry soap is destroying the earth. I know that it hurts, but listen, it's about to get worse. Don't mean to be terse. You know, ever since our primary... I want to make a comment about that. Hi, MSNBC, comma, thank you for covering this issue and interviewing Surgeon General, exclamation point. He's very... He seems very informed. Comma, and I must say, comma, I believe President Biden a hell of a lot more than Trump, comma, who lied to us tens of thousands of times, comma, like 40,000 times, exclamation points. Remember, he said it would go away with warmer weather in April, comma, then May. Um, and he blamed it on the Democrats. Exclamation points as a democratic hoax. Exclamation points. Although he told Washington Post reporter in recorded in for uh, interview. Recorded. On February 8th, comma, that it was airborne, dash, dash, hence the need to wear a freaking mask, exclamation point, which he always refused to do, comma, and is the main reason, comma, I think, that large swathes of the population have refused since the beginning to do the modicum to protect themselves, comma, their family, and their community, exclamation point. Mr. Trump served as the worst possible example 
of leader exclamation point in fact comma Gallup poll just named him equally the worst president in US history comma along with Andrew Johnson haha Everybody should know that Noam Chomsky, Obama, one of the world's foremost intellectuals and dissidents, Obama describes Nazi Trump as the worst criminal in human history, exclamation point, exclamation point. Let that sink in, everybody. Let that sink in, everybody. Exclamation point. Also, comma, everybody should know that Mr. Fucking Nazi Trump Hashtag Nazi Trump. Maybe I can start a new hashtag. <clears throat> Has Adolf Hitler's Mein Kampf at his bedside table. It's in court documents with Ivana, exclamation point. He also beat her, comma. And by the way, everybody, please call the DOJ, 202-514-2000, and ask them what happened to the 26 cases of rape and sexual assault carried out by Mr. Trump, comma, against not only women, comma, but girls and boys about age 13, comma, abducted, comma, and violated in the company of Jeffrey Epstein, exclamation point, Tell the Department of Justice to carry on with these court cases, exclamation point. We deserve justice, exclamation point. That mofo deserves to be behind bars, period. And we need to pressure the Justice Department 
to charge 147 GOP traitors who helped Trump orchestrate the January 6th insurrection, exclamation point. Comment added. Okay, it's a really long comment. Hi, MSNBC. Thank you for covering this issue and interviewing Surgeon General. He's very, he seems very informed, and I must say, I believe President Biden will have a lot more than Trump, who lied tens of thousands of times, like 40,000 times. Remember, he said it would go away with warmer weather in April, that then May, etc. And then he blamed it on the Democrats of the Democratic hoax. Although he told Washington Post reporter in recorded interview on February 8th, that it was airborne, hence the need to wear a freaking mask. Woods, though he always refused to do so, um, and is the main reason I think that large swathes of the population have refused since beginning to do the modicum to protect themselves, their family, and their community. Search Trump's... What? Of a later... the worst possible um, possible example of leader. In fact, Gallup just named him equally the worst president in U.S. history along with Andrew Johnson. Ha ha. Everybody should know that Noam Chomsky, one of the world's foremost intellectuals and dissidents, describes Nazi Trump as the worst criminal in human history. Let that sink in, everybody. Also, everybody should know that Mr. Effing Nazi Trump has Hitler's mind conference at his bedside table. It's in court documents with Ivana. He also beat her, and by the way, everybody, please call the DOJ, 202-514-2000. That's somewhat happened to the 26 cases of rape and sexual assault carried out by Mr. Trump against not only women, but girls and boys who about age 13 abducted and violated in the company of Jeffrey Epstein. Tell the Department of Justice to carry on with these court cases. We deserve justice. That mofo deserves to be behind bars, not going to lie. And we need to pressure the Justice Department to charge 147 GOP traders to help. Trump orchestrate the January 6th insurrection. <laughs> Pretty dense. Let's see if they're gonna let me um, post this or what. Uh, I informed, and I must say, a lot more lied. Are you? What the fuck? And then blamed it on China, comma, stirring up racial hatred against Asian people, comma, remember Asian people started getting attacked by Trump supporters, question mark.
Hey, they told uh, what's the name of that Washington Post reporter? Famous one, um, all the president's men. Alright, well, they're making it really hard to, to fix this, so I'm just gonna let it go. Let it go! Let it go! Oh, I think they they deleted my, uh... Okay, so I'll just add it again. Hi, it looks like you deleted my comment for some reason, comma, but I am exercising my freedom of speech, of constitutional rights, exclamation point. So here it is again, GFY, for suppressing my constitutional rights, MSNBC, exclamation point. Alright, paste. Alright, comment added. Okay. Hello. Guten Morgen. We get It's in the middle of the night, and this is sort of some important stuff. Alaska. I didn't even know there was a tycoon up there. I didn't know they had uh, typhoons up there. Many Alaska communities, villages along the west coast and southwest coast of Alaska. This is just one of the villages that was underwater because of this typhoon. Um, there were many communities throughout Alaska on the west and southwest coast that looked like this. And what a lot of people don't realize is the lifestyle and the way that we live up here in Alaska is different than anywhere else in the world. Um, many of our villages receive goods, fuel, um, things for the store, either by barge or by plane. Many of these villages are inaccessible by road, meaning you can only fly there or you can only go there by boat. A lot of these communities travel between community to community by snow machine, four-wheeler, boat, uh, or small planes. And as such, the cost of living is extremely, extremely high. And one of the things that, among a lot of other things that, you know, our people are worried about across the state of Alaska is the fact that there were numerous fuel tanks in various communities that floated away into the ocean, many fish camps, smokehouses, um, and foods and goods that were harvested and gathered throughout the entire summer season in preparation for winter season are gone. So in addition to you know, the destruction of homes and um, the destruction of communities that our people are facing, they're also facing the real possibility that they will not have enough fuel for the winter 
resources are gone. And on top of that, I just saw some of my friends sharing on Facebook that there now is a boil water advisory in many communities, meaning because of the typhoon, because there was a mix of um, the water and sewage lines in many of the villages, there is now a water boil advisory where you have to boil your water for at least two minutes for it to be drinkable. So not only is this now an environmental crisis, this potentially can be a public health crisis as well. And when I say that many of our communities rely on fish and moose and berries to sustain us throughout the winter, it's not only because the cost of living is so high, it is because these foods nourish more than just our physical beings. So I really encourage you, if you have um, any means to support, the link in my bio is where you can donate directly to these communities. Koyana. Hi friends. So if you don't know, I'll... Hi everyone. I know you're in TikTok to get distracted, but, but please, please don't let this video pop because it's important. My country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we're our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there's Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. So what happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflicts. We were fighting over land, we were fighting over water resources, which is, you know, pretty standard, modern-day issues. And then, all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border coast and then invaded our southern land. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Amomali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. He is bestest with this person, who I think all of you know well. Now, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this armed some reason we turned out to be the aggressors and the Tajikistan the victim. But why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently China, Uzbekistan and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care, and we'll probably be left to our own devices, but please, please, if you want to help to spread the word, it would mean a lot to me and to all of us. Hi everyone, I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but, but please, please don't let this video pop my country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we're our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there's Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. So what happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflicts. 
We were fighting over land, we were fighting over water resources, which is, you know, pretty standard modern-day issues. And then all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border post and then invaded our southern land. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Emomali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. He is besties with this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this armed conflict. For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors and the Tajikistan attacked But why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care and we'll probably be left to our own devices, but please, please,
Hi everyone, I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but, but please, please don't let this video flop because it's important. My country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we're our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there is Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. So what happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflicts. We were fighting over land, we were fighting over water resources, which is you know, pretty standard, modern-day issues. And then all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border coast and then invaded our southern land. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Amumali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. He is bestest with this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this part. For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors, and the Tajikistan Why might they do it? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia, that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this camp didn't like that, and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care. We will probably be left to our own devices. But please, please, if you want to help to spread the word, it would mean a lot to me. Hi, everyone. I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but, but please, please don't let this video flop because it's my country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we were our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there's Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border coast and then invaded our southern land. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Amumali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. He is bestest with this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this armed For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors, and the Tajikistan the victim. But why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia, 
that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care and we'll probably be left to our own devices. But please, please, if you want to help to spread the word, I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but, but please, please don't let this video flop because it's important. My country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we're our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there's this Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. So what happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflicts. We were fighting over land, we were fighting over water resources, which is you know, pretty standard, modern-day issue. And then all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border post and then invaded our southern land. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Amomali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. He is bestest with this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, put in all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this armed conflict. For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors and the Tajikistan attacked But why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care, and we'll probably be left to our own devices, but please, please, if you want to help to spread the word, it would mean a lot to me. Hi everyone, I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but, but please, please don't let this video flop because it's my country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we're our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there's this Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. So what happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflicts. We were fighting over land, we were fighting over water resources, which is, you know, pretty standard modern-day issues. And then all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border post and then invaded our southern land. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Amomali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president 
and well-fed dictator. It is bestest with this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this part of the conflict. For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors and the Tajikistan a victim. But why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care and we'll probably be left to our own devices. But please, please, if you want to help to spread the word, it would mean a lot to me and a lot to you. Hi everyone, I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but, but please, please don't let this video flop because it's important. My country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we're our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there is Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. So what happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflicts. So we were fighting over land. We were fighting over water resources, which is you know, pretty standard modern-day issues. And then all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border coast and then invaded our southern lands. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Amomali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. He is bestest with this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this armed conflict. For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors and the Tajikistan a victim. But why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care and we'll probably be left to our own devices. But please, please, if you want to help to spread the word, it would mean a lot to me and a lot to you. Hi everyone, I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but, but please, please don't let this video flop because it's important. My country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we're our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. 
then you see to the east there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there's this Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. So what happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflicts. So we were fighting over land, we were fighting over water resources, which is you know, pretty standard modern day issues. And then all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border coast and then invaded our southern land. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Amomali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. He is bestest with this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this armed conflict. For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors and the chiefs them as victims. But why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care, and we'll probably be left to our own devices, but please, please, if you want to help to spread the word, it would mean a lot to me and to all of us. Hi everyone, I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but please, please don't let this video flop because it's my country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we're our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there's this Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. So what happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflicts. So we were fighting over land, we were fighting over water resources, which is you know, pretty standard modern-day issues. And then all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Turkey's border coast and then invaded our southern land. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Amomali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. He is bestest with this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this armed conflict. For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors and the Tajikistan as victims. Why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care, and we'll probably be left to our own devices, but please, please, if you 
want to help to spread the word Everyone, I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but, but please, please don't let this video come up because it's important. My country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we're our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there's Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. So what happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflict. We were fighting over land, we were fighting over water resources, which is you know, pretty standard, modern-day issues. And then all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border posts and then invaded our southern land. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Amomali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. He is bestest with this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this armed conflict. For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors and the Tajikistan the victim. But why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care and we'll probably be left to our own devices. But please, please, if you want to help to spread the word, it would mean a lot to me. Hi everyone, I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but, but please, please don't let this video come up because it's known as the Kyrgyz Republic was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we're our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there is Afghanistan, Pakistan, and all down below. So what happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflict. We were fighting over land, we were fighting over water resources, which is, you know, pretty standard modern-day issues. And then, all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border posts and then invaded our southern land. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Amomali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. He is bestest with this person, who I think all of you know. Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this armed conflict. For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors and the Tajikistan the victim. But why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal 
to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care and we'll probably be left to our own devices, but please, please, if you want to help, spread the word. I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but, but please, please don't let this video flop because it's important. My country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we're our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. You get the geography, right? And there's Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. So what happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflicts. We were fighting over land, we were fighting over water resources, which, you know, pretty standard modern-day issues. And then all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border coast and then invaded our southern lands. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Amumali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. He is bestest with this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this armed conflict. For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors, and the Tajikistan the victim. But why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care and we'll probably be left to our own devices, but please, please, if you want to help, spread the word. It would mean a lot to me and to all of us. Hi everyone, I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but, but please, please don't let this video flop because it's my country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we were our Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there is Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. What happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflicts. We were fighting over land, we were fighting over water resources, which is, you know, pretty standard modern-day issues. And then, all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border coast and then invaded our southern lands. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very
very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Emomali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. His best is for this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this armed conflict. For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors and Tajikistan a victim. But why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care and we'll probably be left to our own devices, but please, please, if you want to help to spread the word, I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but, but please, please don't let this video flop because it's important. My country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we're our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there's this Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. So what happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflicts. We were fighting over land, we were fighting over water resources, which is, you know, pretty standard modern-day issues. And then all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border coast and then invaded our southern lands. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Emomali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. His best is for this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this armed conflict. For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors and the Tajikistan a victim. But why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care and we'll probably be left to our own devices. But please, please, if you want to help to spread the word, it would mean a lot to me and to all of us. Hi everyone, I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but, but please, please don't let this video flop because it's my country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we were our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. 
up there you see Kazakhstan and above Kazakhstan there is Russia then you see to the east there is China so you get the geography right and there is Afghanistan Pakistan all down below so what happened before that our countries were having border conflicts we were fighting over land we were fighting over water resources which is you know pretty standard modern day issues and then all of a sudden on September 16th which is this past Friday Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border coast and then invaded our southern land. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Amomali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. He is besties with this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this armed conflict. For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors and the Tajikistan a victim. But why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care, and we'll probably be left to our own devices, but please, please, if you want to help to spread the word, it would mean a lot. Hi everyone, I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but, but please, please don't let this video pop because it's important. My country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we're our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there is Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. So what happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflicts. We were fighting over land, we were fighting over water resources, which is, you know, pretty standard modern-day issues. And then all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border coast and then invaded our southern land. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Amomali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. He is besties with this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this we turned out to be the aggressors and the Tajikistan a victim. But why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care. 
there will probably be left to our own devices. But if, please, please, if you want to help, just spread the word. Turned out to be the aggressors and the chicks them affected. But 
Why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this carrot didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care and we'll probably be left to our own devices. But please, please, if you want to help to spread the word, it would mean a lot to me and to all of us. Hi everyone, I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but please, please don't let this video flop because it's known as the Kyrgyz Republic was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we're our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there's Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. So what happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflict. We were fighting over land, we were fighting over water resources, which is still pretty standard modern-day issues. And then all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border post and then invaded our southern lands. Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means that all of this was pre-planned. This is Amomali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. He is bestest with this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Kyrgyzstan's role in this armed conflict. For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors and Tajikistan a victim. But why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are being bullied by this post-colonial dictator who thinks of our countries as informal colonies of Russia. I know, I know we're not white enough for the world to care, and we'll probably be left to our own devices. But please, please, if you want to help to spread the word, it would mean a lot to me and to all of us. Hi, everyone. I know you're on TikTok to get distracted, but please, please don't let this video flop because it's important. My country, Kyrgyzstan, officially known as the Kyrgyz Republic, was invaded by a neighboring country called Tajikistan. We always thought we're our friends. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. Here is the map of Central Asia. There is little Kyrgyzstan. Right next to it is Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Up there, you see Kazakhstan. And above Kazakhstan, there is Russia. Then you see to the east, there is China. So you get the geography, right? And there's Afghanistan, Pakistan, all down below. So what happened? Before that, our countries were having border conflict. We were fighting over land. We were fighting over water resources, which is you know, pretty standard modern-day issues. And then all of a sudden, on September 16th, which is this past Friday, Tajik soldiers attacked Kyrgyz border coast and then invaded our southern.
Take a look at this map. These are all the border posts that were attacked on the same day, on the very same day, which means all of this was pre-planned. This is Amomali Rahmon, Tajikistan's president and well-fed dictator. He is bestest with this person, who I think all of you know well. Girl, Putin supports his bestie and uses all of his propaganda tools to disseminate false narratives about Pakistan's control in this armed conflict. For some reason, we turned out to be the aggressors and Tajikistan a victim. Why might they do it, you ask? Okay, so recently, China, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan signed a deal to build a railroad that would ease the trade between China and Europe, bypassing Russia that is currently under sanctions for the war in Ukraine. Of course, this Karen didn't like that and decided to intimidate Kyrgyzstan and other post-Soviet countries. We are... Three more things people with ADHD want you to know. They want you to know about body doubling. People with ADHD do a lot better with potentially frustrating tasks simply when someone else is around. You don't even have to help them with the task. Just having your body around as a calm reflection will make whatever the task is a lot more manageable for them. Two, they want you to understand their doom boxes and doom piles. So I used to refer to them as shit piles, but my husband introduced me to a much better name for them, which is doom piles, which is actually an acronym for didn't organize only people with ADHD have a tendency to create these doom boxes and doom piles is because they experience strained executive function, which is the cognitive process responsible for self-regulation. A person with ADHD is always going to rely on the doom method because it's a comfortable interim between tidying processes. It's a place to rest. We actually try to keep a doom area in every one of They want you to know about rejection sensitivity dysphoria. People with ADHD know they're different and often become very sensitive to the criticism and judgment of others. This can look like cleaning only when no one else is around, so there's no one around to criticize their methods. It can create these very anxious or reactionary responses when they anticipate that rejection is coming. People with ADHD can often fluctuate between phases of extreme people-pleasing all the way to just not even wanting to try. People with ADHD are in a constant state of fear of being scrutinized by the outside world and could benefit from a little bit more positive reinforcement than you might ordinarily give. And that's three more things people with ADHD want you to know. And remember, if you can't handle the scroll game with your game boxes full of receipts, memorabilia, and probably dishes, you don't deserve them if they're only having to look at a theme park map for about 15 seconds before plotting three different perfect strategies that would help you see the entire map in one day. Three more things people with ADHD want you to know. They want you to know about body People with ADHD do a lot better with potentially frustrating tasks simply when someone else is around. You don't even have to help them with the task. Just having your body around as a calm reflection will make whatever the task is a lot more manageable. Two, they want you to understand their doom boxes and doom piles. This is only a test of emergency alert system. Please ignore 
people with ADHD know they're different and often become very sensitive to the criticism and judgment of others. This can look like cleaning only when no one else is around, so if there's no one around to criticize their methods. It can create these very anxious or reactionary responses when they anticipate the rejection is People with ADHD can often fluctuate between phases of extreme people-pleasing all the way to just not even wanting to try anymore. People with ADHD are in a constant state of fear of being scrutinized by the outside world and could benefit from a little bit more positive reinforcement than you might ordinarily give. And that's three more things people with ADHD want you to know. And remember, if you can't handle the squirrel gang at their doom boxes full of receipts, memorabilia, and probably dishes, you don't deserve them if they're only having to look at a theme park map for about 15 seconds before plotting three different perfect strategies that would help you see the entire map in one day. Three more things people with ADHD want you to know. They want you to know about body doubling. People with ADHD do a lot better with potentially frustrating tasks simply when someone else is around. You don't even have to help them with a the task. Just having your body around as a calm reflection will make whatever the task is a lot more manageable for them. Two, they want you to understand their doom boxes and doom piles. So I used to refer to them as shit piles, but my husband introduced me to a much better name for them, which is doom piles, which is actually an acronym for didn't organize only. The reason that people with ADHD have a tendency to create these doom boxes and doom piles is because they experience social media that, you know, people are trying to fit in, get validated, you know, validation from other people, a lot of broken people, um, you know, I don't know how you fix that, I guess everybody has to fix themselves, but, you know, I guess what we can do, those of us who understand it or gone through it or have been broken, all of us have been broken at one time or another, I guess, is to, you know, just make somebody's day by being kind. By saying a hello. You know, a lot of times we'll see people and you know look the other way and look down, look make eye contact. You know, we're social beings. We are social beings. We should have to look down, look away, and uh, do everything in our power not to speak to each other. Just never know how just being kind, just just acknowledging somebody can make them feel a certain way. Because there are so many and I'm not like a social media person, but because nowadays, because if you're a writer, if you're anybody that arts, you have to do social media. Well, you don't have to, but it's it's really important that you do social media because that's how, how you get yourself out there. So that's kind of what got me into social media. Um, beyond that, it just never really interested me. But now that I'm on it more than I've been, I see that there's so many broken people, so many people that are trying to find their way in all of this. You know, because life is, life can be something else. It really can. So those of us that are in a better space, you know, just speak to a human being that you pass by that you don't know. Say something nice. Say something encouraging. You know, um, it, just, it just goes a long way, I think, in today's society. I think it's, it's really important that we just, just acknowledge people around us. To get into a conversation, I'm not saying that, but just just acknowledge the people around you. You just never know how that may make somebody's day. Just push them to to go further in, in their lives. Just, just encouraging words. Hey, you look good today. Hey, look like you're gonna you're gonna do what you need to do.
do today, or whatever it is. Don't be phony about it. Be sincere, but you know, just be concerned. Until next time, you know, show your fellow human beings that um, they matter as much as you matter. Until next time, peace. You know the one thing that um, social media is teaching me, showing me, there's a lot of broken people out here. There's a lot of people in pain here. struggling with whatever it is that's happening in their lives because you can see it all over social media that you know people are trying to fit in trying to be, get validated you know, validation from other people a lot of broken people uh, you know i don't know how you fix that i guess everybody has to fix themselves but you know i guess what we can do those of us understand it or gone through it or have been broken because all of us have been broken at one time or another I guess is to you know just make somebody's day by being kind by saying hello you know a lot of times we'll see people and you know look the other way or look down don't want to make eye contact you know and we're social beings we really are we're social beings and we shouldn't have to look down and look away and uh, do everything in our power not to speak to each other you just never know how just being kind, just just acknowledging somebody can make them feel a certain way. Because there are so many, and I'm not like a social media person, but because nowadays, because if you're a writer, if you're anybody or the arts, you have to do social media. Or you don't have to, but it's it's really important that you do social media because that's how, how you get yourself out there. So that's kind of what got me into social media. Um, beyond that, it just never really interested me. But, now that I've wanted more than I've been, I see that there's so many broken people, so many people that are um, trying to find their way in all of this. You know, because life is, life can be something else. It really can. So those of us that are in a better space, you know, just speak to a human being that you pass by that you don't know.